Yeah, that's our April Fool's podcast right there. Oh, seamer mine, that pot of gold is calling. From you and me, it surely cannot hide. We'll work as one instead of childish brawling. It's you, it's you, I need right by my side. For all alone, this task is one big... Welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number 188. My name is Mike Anello, and that was Campbell Vertesi and the O'Drupals. And I did not give them that name. They gave themselves that name. The O'Drupals from the pre-note at DrupalCon Dublin. Um, welcome back to the Drupal Easy Podcast. Um, today, I'm joined by Anna. How are you, Anna? Hello. I'm kind of... I didn't know that song was going to play, and that was uh, sung at a funeral I was at quite recently. So, uh, Oh, I'm give sorry. Give me a minute, please. <laughs> <laughs> How has fall arrived up in um, Chicagoland? Oh, absolutely. It's nice and chilly. I get to wear the cloak that I got in Scotland when I was over there. Um, it's definitely my favorite type of year. Oh, fantastic. I've actually, it's sort of arrived uh, in Florida down here. We had the hurricane, of course, last weekend. That was a, that was a great, good time. Um, I've worn pants two days in a row now. So oh, that do, you, do you have two pairs of pants? I do, I do. That normally means that I have two in-person business meetings on two consecutive days, or the weather has dropped beneath like 85 degrees. So, and I haven't had any meetings lately. So for some reason, the office, I found the office very chilly lately, and, uh, and outside has been very nice, so here I am wearing pants, like the rest of you. So. Rub it in, why don't you? Yeah, well, that's like you. That's my, uh, my annual pants report. I should, we should make that you know a, a regular part of the podcast. I think. Um, I think there's a demand for it, actually. So we'll add mm, that. For sure. I don't know about that. I, th- I think we'll have to see what what the Good. comments say. Matt Glomman, are you wearing pants? Yes, yes, I am. There we go. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> all right, and we're done with the interview. That's pretty much all we need to <laughs> Matt, welcome to the Drew Easy Podcast. You are our guest today. Um, for those who do not know uh, Matt's voice or Matt's name, Matt, you are a senior Drupal consultant for the Commerce Guys. So what exactly, yep. you know, the word is consultant as opposed to developer there. So um, recently, Commerce Guys spun out of uh, platform.sh. You know, we're each our own separate entities. And the core team of Commerce Guys is now focused on the development of Drupal Commerce. Um, so you know, while I'm still on some client work, the goal is to help with architecture and um, working to solve blockers in the actual open source project. Because we now have our um, preferred delivery partners, um, Acromedia in Canada and Actual also over in France. And they're the ones who we recommend for site builds and all of that. And then my role is to be the liaison, the consultant to help with, you know, integrating with our the Drupal Commerce and any of the contrib and the overall architecture of those things. So is the majority of your time spent on core commerce work or client work? No, um, client work. Boyan's 
we have enough funding for Boyan to be full time, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty much full time client work with spending my mornings and nights on the project. We recently had a huge launch that did allow me to spend about half of my time on Drupal Commerce and help us get the first beta out. So yeah, I'd have to imagine that you know a significant chunk of that client work is stuff that you can just plow back into. Um, yeah, that's the, the general project. goal. Yeah. All right, well, we're not here to talk about commerce, though. Commerce, commerce, commerce. Well, maybe we will a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about your book here in a few minutes. Um, before we do that, though, let me mention our sponsor, uh, MyDropWizard.com. They're going on, I think this is probably about the 15th episode that they've sponsored, so thank you very much to uh, to the folks over at MyDropWizard. Uh, um, if you're not familiar with them yet, they provide Drupal 6, Drupal 7, and Drupal 8 long-term support. Um, most importantly, I think for Drupal 6, because Drupal 6 sites are no longer, or Drupal 6 core is no longer um, maintained by the community. So um, MyDropWizard and some other companies, but MyDropWizard um, stepped up and said, hey, we will help support um, older Drupal 6 sites. And the way it works is, you can basically engage with mydropwizard.com and they will keep an eye on your site. And if there are any security updates that um, are necessary, they will test and apply those updates to your Drupal 6 site. Um, they have a white label service. So if you have clients with Drupal 6 sites, they will take care of it for your clients invisibly. Um, well, not invisibly to you, but invisibly to your clients through through your company, obviously. Um they deploy the security updates in a very timely fashion, normally on the same day. They have um, uh, very um, agile customer support, so they get back to you very quickly. And it, to be honest, it probably costs less than it would cost for you to keep up with all these updates on your own. So there's really no reason, reason to do it. It'll keep your Drupal 6 sites um, secure, save you time, and save you money. So by all means, check them out at mydropwizard.com or if you're you know one of those folks who don't like visiting the web because you know there there's some of us I guess in the Drupal community maybe you can contact them directly via email at sales at mydropwizard.com and of course check out their site and you can learn more about their white label program and exactly you know what the what their processes are for um, applying security updates, testing the site, and, and pushing them out to production. It's all laid out there for you uh, right on their website. So check them out. So, Matt, you wrote a Drupal 8 book. That I did. It was actually, it was like the first or second to actually be released. So you're a brave man because um, as you were writing it, I'm sure it was still a moving target. It was a very much moving target. I think. I was approached in October, so that was either like when the first, it was before the first beta, and actually it wasn't even supposed to be published until June, but we sped it up and released it in March. Um, it was actually people, it was right before mid-camp, actually. It, I know um, I had a friend fly up to mid-camp, and he had his copy on his doorstep before he flew up. So let's um, let's cover the basics here real quick. It's uh, the title of the book is Drupal Eight Development Cookbook, um, published by Pact Publishing. Um, you can buy it wherever you buy, you know, any other books, Amazon, or you, um, I know I got the electronic version, uh, a PDF version. Um, you know, I'm sure you can you can get the the Dead Tree version as well. 
Um, let me ask you, you know, let's go back to the beginning. So why was this your, did you want to write a book or were you approached or so what was the, the genesis? They, they approached, they approached me. Um, I looked in my inbox one day and I saw a message from Pact um, asking if I wanted to write a book. And I was like, well, shoot, who would say no to this? Except for the fact that at that time, our our newest son was only two months old. I still had three months left of school and I was already working full time. So I got this email and I ran upstairs to my wife and I was like, am I crazy for doing this? And she helped convince me that I should just dive in and go for it. So did they approach you and so did they approach you and say, yeah. Hey, we want you to write a development book or just a, a, a Drupal eight book or what was yeah. the, they, they, they approached me with the format of, we want to write a development, a cookbook format for the Drupal eight release. And it was going to have specific chapters that had four to five recipes in them. Um, basically just like mini tutorials that then help explain them. All right. So, um, you know, so I actually did review the book, as you know, and I, I put it up on DrupalEasy.com. Yeah. Um, some of the chapters included, I mean, I, I thought were just, you know, outstanding. Um, the ones that – I think the one that I probably got the most out of was um, a, a chapter on the Entity API, which I'm pretty sure – and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if even in Drupal 7 if there's ever been a chapter focused on, you know, entities from the developer point of view. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I know especially like Drupal 7 launched um, without like the fully flushed out entity API. And I feel that the entity contrib module just kind of grew as D8 grew. Um, so I don't know if I, I know I've never really run into like a good strong handbook, but also just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't right. exist. <laughs> um. So, um, you know, other other chapters that you know. Before I started reading the book, I obviously I went through the, uh, the the table contents, and I was pretty psyched to see. Um, you know, there's a whole chapter on plugins. You know, the, the D8 plugin system, which um, as a developer mm -hmm. and um, as someone who writes a lot of small custom modules for clients, and I want to spec, I want to differentiate that from being like a core developer or someone who's like you know a super hardcore Drupal developer. You know, my role generally with clients is if I can't find something in Contrib, you know, then I'll piece something together and maybe I'll need to write a small, you know, custom module for it. Um, I've done, I mm -hmm. think I'm on my fourth D8 site, my third and fourth, you know, simultaneously right now, D8 sites. Um, probably 80% of the time that I'm writing a custom module, I'm basically just creating a new plugin of some type. Um, mm -hmm. So I found the chapter on plugins um, – you know, really, really welcome because I, I feel that most people who are going to have to write custom modules for Drupal 8 are going to end up writing a plugin at some point. Oh, oh, they for sure are. Everything is based on plugins. I mean, entities, uh, a config entity and content entity are extensions of the plugin system. I mean, everything's powered by plugins, which it's a very robust API that can be confusing, but it also standardizes how everything yeah, works. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, custom blocks are plugins. You know, yeah. uh, you know fields yeah. and field formatters. I mean, we just launched... No, go ahead. We launched the first uh, Drupal Commerce site, Sport Obermeyer, with no commerce contrib and no, you know, no um, obscure contrib. 
Um, a lot of the, the normal ones are there, like paragraphs and panels, but all the customizations we needed, field formatters and field widgets, and maybe some custom blocks, which are a lot easier to implement now that we have object-oriented programming and the plugin right, system. Right, right. Um, the other chapter I, I was really happy to see was on the configuration system. Um, you know, you gave a really nice overview of the configuration system, a couple of examples. Um, so, you know, one of my big, and I, I don't know what the right word is, maybe concerns about the book and is, and I'm not sure how you feel about it, or maybe I am, maybe I have an idea of how you feel about it. There were definitely parts of the book that I didn't feel fit the cookbook format. Where yeah, there's the beginning, there's some parts of the book that I feel it, um, I, I wish that some of the chapters could have been in a normal format instead of the cookbook format, um, such as like setting up a development site and running the tests. Um, and there's an intro, there's an intro chapter about like the new content, ma like managing content and like the new field types. There's, there's a few of things that I really wanted to cover, but they didn't really fit the the format well, but I feel like they had to be touched on so that way the book had like a wider audience or also just covered some of the basics. Because I wanted to touch people that I really wanted to appeal to the Drupal 7 developers that were on the fence about Drupal 8, but also people coming from, you know, the Symphony environment like that are coming there, or even people that just they work in a multi platform environment and need to quickly get up to date on how to use Drupal 8. Right. So were there were there chapters of the book that you enjoyed writing or you looked forward to writing more than others or kind of a, a um, passion project for you? I, it was the entity API and the plugin system. Um, the entity API more so because it was going to change and it's neat to look back at writing that and knowing that some of the work we did in commerce is already backported into core. Um, and the fact that the plugin section, I know I actually, we have, like, that could use an update. But the, writing those two, because they're instrumental to anybody working with Drupal 8, is understanding the core, like, the core, like, the underlying APIs that can really drive your customizations. It's a good way to put it. Are there, and you touched on this a second ago, but are there are there parts of Drupal 8 development that you would have liked to have, you know, either covered that you didn't cover or covered deeper? Um. I'm trying. I think at the time, I don't think there's anything I really wanted to cover deeper. I kind of wish that I didn't dedicate a chapter to the REST, um, to making Drupal 8 into a RESTful um, web service, because the REST module wasn't very mature at that time, which now it is. In 8.2, it's had a whole bunch of improvements, and each minor release is getting more and more improvements. Yeah, that's, that, um, that was a target. Yeah, that was a huge moving target. I wrote the chapter, then I looked at the code, and I kind of like, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I made sure to write a lot of footnotes along the way, linking to issues in the the core and to the the core issue queue, saying like, this is how it is now, but there's traction to change it. And I mean, it's a, the best I could do with the moving target. Yeah, uh, because no, we already didn't know what to expect with how the the faster release cycle would go and i had no idea what it would look like with the content in the book so i mean that was probably the biggest challenge is the community was already like waiting to see how well this new release cycle would go and i was already wondering like are we really going to get as many improvements as we thought and 
we've surpassed that. Like we're getting so many new features with each minor release that it's and, and more stable that it's a great thing. And I tried to do my best to account for that throughout the book. So how'd you manage that? Cause I'm sure between the time that you started writing and the time that you delivered, I'm sure that there were plenty of changes. Did you, was it just a lot of so, going back and, and doing revisions or? It was a lot of going back and double checking, but the, that's one reason I wanted to get the, um, the book out sooner because it got re- it, we finished the public it was published before 8.1 I believe so there wasn't many new features that shipped so by the time the book was released I think 8.1 hit RC1 and 8.1 didn't really have as many large changes um, so most of the things that I covered would be like they, they we'll see the changes now in 8.2 and then in 8.3 it, it almost seems like you need to, you know, come up with a new revision of the book every six months, every time. Yeah, a new point uh, I, I think every two minor releases. Like I think for eight point three, um, there needs to be one um, because the plugin system. We now have plugin forms, which is going to completely change how you can work with plugins. The Entity API. Um, we're hoping to get in the core the new um, a permission and access handling like a generic version of that that we developed for commerce in the core to help the developer experience. Um, the rest module, you know, web services is getting a lot of love and attention because of this API first initiative. Um, there, the content chapter, the like, content management chapter could have a huge overlift now that we have like the workflow initiative um, outside in editing. Like there's so many new things that the cookbook could touch on. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, have you talked to Pack? Pact, are there plans um, for you to, to, you know? It's been on my to-do list um, since getting back to Dublin, from Dublin. So would they, and just out of curiosity, I don't know if you want to answer this or if you can, would they pay you to do a revision, or is that kind of part of the discussion? I think that's part of the discussion. I think there's another advance. Mm-hmm. There might be. Um, it's, I know it's in the contract somewhere. Um, but I think there might be there might be some kind of advance, which at that point, you know, I could decide: do I want money up front, or just wait to see if the sales kick up? I mean, it's kind of a toss up either way. I mean, I didn't really do the book for the money because I don't really. It's you know, it's a Drupal eight book. It's a very niche market. <laughs> You're not going to get rich. From, uh, I did it more so as. Yeah, so I, I did it more as like it's it's a cool resume piece. There's not many people that get to say they wrote a book, but I also did it as like a labor of love for the community because I mm-hmm. wanted to build a resource that you know somebody could have on their bookshelf and look back at while they're getting onboarded with Drupal Eight. Well, plus I also think there's also you know you I, I don't know if it, if you didn't say it on purpose, but there's also a little bit of a selfish reason. I mean, I know that yeah. when I when oh, yeah. I write curriculum, that's when I really learn it and it solidifies and. If I have to write about it, I need to be sure that whatever I'm writing is is spot on. So there's, for me, and I, I would assume for you and other authors, it's kind of the same thing. When you start putting stuff onto paper... Um, you have to be right. You have to be right. So you have to just not know about the, the paragraph you're writing, but you have to know everything behind it so that you're comfortable writing whatever it is that you're that you're writing. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the core issue queue, reading issues and tracking down things that were closed. I believe for the section on views, I, I had a trace back in the Git log to when 
they merged in the views branch, like, you know, three years ago or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. Like, I, I, I sat and I had to track down the Git log. I also learned how to use Git a lot better, too, because I had to keep finding where things, like, split off and finding the original revision. Um, so let me ask... It was hey, interesting. Hey, Anna, have you had a chance to um, get involved in any D8 development yet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm in the middle of launching my third site. So, um, are there parts of Drupal 8 development that are, you know, you're familiar with but are still a bit of a mystery? And I guess I, what, what I'm getting at is, um, it, for me, I, I've been working with, with D8 for a while now, so there were definitely a few chapters that I was interested in, but mainly just from a, I think I understand this stuff, let me read what Matt wrote and confirm that I understand this stuff. Yeah, like based on your description, on on your like initial description, um, Mike, I'm kind of debating. Well, do I want to buy this book? Should I get it? Should I not? Is it going to work for me? Um, coming from Drupal Seven, um, you know, I worked a lot on Drupal Eight, but not necessarily with Drupal Eight before it released. So, um. Like trying to figure out plugins and namespacing and trying to dig into, yes, you can alter things really easily in, you know, three or four lines, which is awesome. But if you don't know what those three or four lines are, what they need to be, finding that out is really difficult. Um, so I, I would definitely love something that's, you know, a bit less high level abstract. Here's how you do it. OOP land to, okay, here's this thing that you want to do in Drupal. Here's how you do it. Yeah, and I think, Matt, I think your book provides a little bit of both. Yeah, I try to cover both aspects. Um, So also when I was writing this, that's when I started to really dive into the 2.x development. And I wanted to write it from my experiences of learning D8 to write Drupal Commerce to help Boyan get this Mm -hmm. thing out the door. So, you know, I I didn't know plugins or any of that stuff. Um, So I wrote it from that perspective of, like, I need to figure out you know, I want to create a plugin that tells me like the units of measurement, and that's actually the one example in there. And it shows like how to make a custom plugin, um, how to use annotated plugins versus YAML-based discovery. Um, you know, extend a field formatter to customize how you know add a custom field formatter, or even to be able to extend an existing one to make the customizations you need. Yeah, it was really. Um... I was pretty psyched to read it. Took me long enough to read it, as Matt can attest to. <laughs> Every time I, I got on a plane, that was kind of my go-to, uh, the go-to thing on my iPad that I, that I would read. Um, all right, so great. So um, I did have one more question, and I don't, and it's not written down here. It was popped in my head, and it just left me. So um, definitely, if you are a D7 developer. Or you know, even someone who's you know Drupal eight curious, I definitely encourage you to check out this book. I think personally, you know, Anna just alluded to it a second ago. I think the the chapters on plugins and the end of the API are, are worth the price of admission because um, I thought that I knew um, knew them pretty well, but I definitely feel like now I have a much you know kind of stronger foundational knowledge of especially the entity API plugins. I think I was pretty comfortable on, but it was nice to learn about, you know, the difference between content entities and configuration entities and, and, and how they're kind of uh, controlled and managed um, within uh, Drupal 8. Sold. Um, sold. All right, good. There you go. One more sale, Matt. Let's call it. All right. Let them know. How much do you make per, per book? Like five cents? 
No, actually, it's it's a good um, what's the word royalty rate? I believe it's sixteen percent off each book. Um, Ooh. You know, so yeah, it's it's a fair rate. Um, and I heard. Tell me yeah. if I'm if if I heard this correctly. I don't know where I heard this, so maybe I'm making it up. But I heard that Pact actually prints all their books on demand. So if you order I a book, don't know. you know, like a packed book from Amazon, it doesn't exist yet. But, you know, I have no idea. Yeah, but that I, would be crazy if they have like a just-in-time publishing setup. Yeah, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I know where I, I know who told me that, but I don't know if I should say. So I'm not going to say. But I, I, <laughs> I think that there, I think that Pact might be one of the companies that does that, which is you know crazy interesting if you think about it have you um and i know i haven't been in a bookstore in, in years but have you been in a bookstore and seen it because i can imagine that'd be pretty cool i have not um i i've signed up with the amazon author pages which lets me see the sales analytics on amazon and it has the nielsen book scan and it's in bookstores across the country in some places and it's selling physical copies out of these stores which is that's the coolest part knowing that somebody's actually going into a bookstore and picking up the book um because you know everybody can buy something online but like just knowing that somebody found it in a bookstore and picked it up that's that's the really cool thing yeah that is pretty cool that is pretty cool all right well next time if i'm if i'm in a bookstore and i see it i'll take a picture and send it to you all right what I'll do is I'll get like a, I'll get myself like a nice espresso. I'll sit down and I'll pretend to be reading it for the first time, and I'll have someone take a picture of me reading it, <laughs> and then it'll that way it'll seem more real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very cool. So let's um, move on real quick. I, um, not too much Drupalizy news. Um, you know, I'm, I'll be in Bad Camp. Uh, I'm, uh, well, by the time this podcast is out, I should say Bad Camp was awesome. <laughs> I went to Bad Camp. Um. Uh, basically, for Drupal Easy News, I, you know, we're in the middle of, um, I believe it's the ninth session of Drupal Career Online. Um, we're in uh, right now. Well, by the time this podcast airs, it'll probably be in about week five out of twelve. It's a twelve-week online a Drupal uh, training program. We meet uh, two half days a week for classes, and then we have some lab hours as well, some other times. Uh, but for the first time ever, we actually sold out um, our class, which is, you know, great and scary because bigger class means more students, means it's a little bit harder to teach, a little harder to, to wrangle, you know, all of those, all of those cats. Um, but, you know, awesome, awesome that we were able to do that. Um, next class starts after the new year, so you can always go to DrupalEasy.com and check that out. Uh, three stories. Let's talk about some news that's happened uh, fairly recently. Number one, we have a new provisional Drupal core contributor in Chris McCafferty, um, who goes by the Drupal.org username Sealfen. I don't know if that's how he pronounces it, but it's C E I or C I L E F E N. Um, Anna or Matt, or either of you familiar? Uh, you know, uh, no, Chris. Um. I do know Chris. He is in the uh, New Jersey community. Exactly, yes. Um, met him at uh, one of the uh, Drupal Shore sprints summer before last. He is awesome. Um, and I think you meant to say, Mike, that he's a new provisional committer. What did I not say? Not a new contributor. Oh, yes. That's much better. He is, he is not a new contributor. He is a longtime contributor. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> We're all provisional contributors, aren't we? 
<laughs> or or beyond provisional. Or beyond, yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I met him. Um, I think I met him for the first time at Drupal Camp, New Jersey, last year. Because, um, like you said, he actually works for. He told me a great story, um, and I always forget the name of the organization he works for. He doesn't work for Princeton. He works for something that's like the Institute of Advanced Mathematics or something like that. But it's the place where Einstein worked. Um, and Einstein's office like still exists, and some other professor or some other mathematician ha- now has Einstein's office. And the house that Einstein live, lived in is actually owned by this institute. And you know, there's some other family um, that you know lives in the house now. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of crazy that you know to say that. Oh yeah, that was Einstein's office. I just thought that was cool. Um, That's yeah, neat. Su- yeah, super nice guy. Um, and uh, really, you know, level-headed. So I, I, I think he'll he'll do just fine. Um, I'm gonna actually move on to. Uh, I'm not even sure, Matt. Which do, both these stories kind of involve you, Matt? So I'm <laughs> not sure which one you want to talk about first. We're gonna talk about a crazy blog post that we saw on Medium that that basically um, yeah. uh, said that Drupal Commerce was dead, <laughs> which was kind of a joke. Yeah. And then the other one, which I have a feeling could be a deep, dark hole, but I'm going to do our I'm gonna do my best <laughs> to keep us out of, because it seems like every other guest we have on, we end up talking about Composer. Mm-hmm. Um, Why don't we go about the Medium post first? We can just, we can quick yeah, go over that. Yeah, so this was, a, this was a fun one. It was, I saw this um, probably a couple weeks ago now, I think. Uh, it, it was an article on Medium yeah. called The Death of Drupal Commerce as an E-Commerce Solution. And, uh, you know, as Matt and I discussed it via email and, you know, you used the right word, it was, it was pure link bait. And I, you know, yeah. I took the bait and said, well, I've got to read that. What the, what the heck's this all about? And it was, it, for me, it was clearly, as I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, okay, clearly this was written by either a Magento person or some competitor Drupal Commerce. Yeah, it was written by an agency who built a Magento integrator. Um, and instead of selling the integrator or the connector, whichever you would like to call it, um, kind of just brought up that, you know, Drupal Commerce was being focused on D8. And so 1.x wasn't really being as developed, just like everybody was focusing on D8. Um, you know, we were doing bug fixes and people were paying us to do performance consulting, but you know, the active, the activity was in 2.x. Um, and it even goes to talk about the split with commerce guys and platform.sh. I mean, it links to our press release about it, but it basically says that commerce guys was left in shambles when really, you know, <laughs> the core team was, the core team was there to manage Drupal commerce. Um, you know, we did it to make, to make the project stronger, uh, which can be seen in the fact like with our beta and we're getting more performance improvements added to the commerce one dot X. Um, especially commerce isn't dead because it's one of the few contrib that can run with PHP seven. Um, you know, with the split in our partner, Acromedia, they actually had clients who funded to like funded to collaborate with us to get, um, all the patches in. So you can run commerce with, PHP 7, and they said they saw some clients have an increase of like 33% in speed, which everybody knows a faster commerce site means more sales. Um, so it was just interesting timing because we also just cut at Dublin, we tagged the beta for Commerce 2. A week before that, we launched the Sport Obermeyer site, which is a huge 
D8 commerce, um, you know, outdoor clothing sales um, with like three different buying personas. If you're a if you're a normal customer, you get sent offsite to their partners. If you're like a VIP or like have a family discount, you can buy direct. Or if you're a retailer or sales rep, you can actually buy to have delivered to stores on the website. So you know, Drupal Commerce definitely isn't the end. Is it is an e-commerce solution, and one thing that we've definitely been pitching it as is a front end. I mean, take take Demandware or Big Commerce, Shopify. Um, you, you run into a roadblock when you want to merge into multiple markets. I mean, what happens when you want to expand into another country and you want to do internet internationalization? Um, it's expensive. It's extremely expensive. But if you already have your back-end product management or ERP, it doesn't take much to build a D8, uh, you know, use Drupal Commerce to talk to it and it be the front end to your back-end management system and, and use Drupal 8's um, you know, do, use Drupal's power for internationalization and, you know, front end and being the front end on the web. So that's kind of what what comes out of that article. It's like it's 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 alive and strong. Um, we definitely have a market, and we're kicking it. Yeah, I think the only reason why I didn't completely dismiss it. it was number one it was written on medium which you know medium normally has some some fairly you know some good content um but also there's some really good comments as well i, yeah. think, I know that ryan's drama you know that left more than a few comments there um and it was really just kind of i, I don't know I guess, can you call it an attack piece but it, it was really as i'm reading it was just one-sided yeah it was very one-sided i mean it was one-sided, and it felt kind of nice seeing some of the comments of people, you know, defending us and having oh. our back, and you know, providing <laughs> the, yeah, and providing the opposite argument to the article, um, which was, you know, reading the article kind of came, like, well, that's not exactly fair to the story, um, especially because it reflected Drupal's adoption as well. Um, but to see that we had, you know. The community in our pocket and defending us that was really uplifting actually did the author respond in the comments at all i, I, I don't know if i um I, I i'm not aware okay i've kind of, you know we went there and we kind of didn't want to all of a sudden everybody start commenting and we, we didn't want to like stir it up you know right. they wrote an article with their opinion um ryan cleared up some of the facts about the split with commerce guys and platform.sh so that we are now our own company and we kind of left it as that Right, that's probably probably the best move. You don't want to get into like a street fight with you know someone yeah. who's not using logic. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very and good. also, nothing goes well when you argue on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wait a minute. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about how easy it is to use Composer next, because <laughs> this has been this yeah. has been uh, so, something that's been, it's been getting a lot of you know play lately um, with. People starting to wonder: Is Composer something that is going to get widespread adoption for actually the way that we put together Drupal sites, or is this going to be limited to just a, a you know one segment of our community? So, so before you say I think it that, comes down to let, let me preface this. Yeah, let me let me preface all this by saying um, you wrote a blog post yeah. um, called "Managing Your Drupal Project with Composer." Um, so the links in the show notes. So yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. So it's funny because actually about like maybe two years ago, a year ago, I wrote a blog post on managing your platform with Drush. Um, so I think about like 25% of the users of Drupal actually use the build tool and that would be Drush, you know, Drush make. They have a make file and that's how they built their dependencies. Probably 50% of the user base uses Drush as a command line to enable modules or login. And probably I'd say the other half still use the UI and manually download archives and tarballs and all of that. So I think that this has just come up a little late in thinking um, because the people who use build tools were using them and required them. Um, especially commerce. Commerce was started like two and a half years ago and it was first started by writing generic PHP libraries that starts that solve some of the hardest parts of e-commerce because they're not a Drupal problem. And they're not even just a PHP problem, but it's, it's PHP libraries to solve a greater problem that can be used by everybody. So we all have a good tool, which a lot of our libraries have been adopted by other PHP e-commerce software services. So commerce is required Composer from the get-go because it's the de facto package manager for PHP and downloading libraries. And PHP is not the only one with the package manager. Anybody that's worked with JavaScript in the past however long uses NPM. You may not even think about it, really. You're just like, oh, NPM install. If you use Bower, oh, that's a package manager, too. If you've worked with Java, well, there's Maven and Ant. Those are build tools and package managers. And Python, oh, well, I've probably used pip install Ansible, or at least other people have. So we're getting a lot of issues about people saying, I don't want to install the address module because it requires Composer. Or I installed it and it doesn't work. Um, just issues with installing commerce. And I think it's just there needs to be documentation about how to use Composer and why it's being used. And, you know, it's not like this crazy new concept. Like package management tools are a thing. And this blog post kind of tries to dive into that and clear up a little bit of the water. And it's also a precursor to some lengthy documentation we're going to do in um, the Drupal Commerce docs that talk about set, using Composer, setting up Drupal with Composer, um, and hopefully we'll be able to work with the documentation group to figure out how we can improve the documentation on Drupal.org. Because right now, if you look at it, it, it doesn't really help that much, even if Core doesn't provide an out-of-the-box opinionated standard on using Composer. Um, because... I remember with eight that with the eight the re, the Drupal eight release. I remember wondering, are we going to be able to even use like, is the vendor directory going to be committed? And it wasn't until eight point one that you could actually require modules with Composer. So it's it's still very fresh to the community and to I think you know the core maintainers and contributors. Well, let me let me play devil's advocate for just a second, um, yeah. because you mentioned that you know. Probably, and it'd be great if we had stats for this, but I don't know how we'd possibly get get them. But it'd be great, you know. You said probably fifty percent of developers use Drush, you know, or have used Drush Make, and fifty percent just are, you know, downloading and installing modules, the you know the the, mm-hmm. the kind of manual way. So, from a, you know, speaking for, you know. Folks who, you know, because I teach a lot of people who, you know, are new to Drush, new to the command line, and we, you know, I, I throw them in the deep end of the pool. We start learning Drush from, you know, from, you know, week one. Um, but there's still a lot of people out there who build Drupal sites, make money building Drupal sites, or manage their organization's Drupal site without ever knowing Drush. 
And for them to move up to Drupal 8 and try and use something like the address module and not be able to get it installed because now they have to you know, open this command line thing and figure out what Composer is, that can be a significant yeah. hurdle. So, it can. No, go ahead. And I, I think it's one thing that it's just, you know, Drupal's been in its island, and I know WordPress doesn't support um, Composer either, but, right. you know, the, the community at large is using it. I mean, it's it's new to Drupal, but it's not new technically and right the, no i think from a te- grand scheme of things from a technical standpoint i don't think anyone can argue with it that it's not a superior way of doing things i think our challenge and you know not just our challenge but if wordpress uh, you know if the wordpress community ever decided that they want to use a package manager the real challenge is not in the technical side of it the real challenge is in the education side of it is how do we educate yeah. our users you know Fast enough, you, quickly enough, efficiently enough on how to use these new t- new tools. How do we, you know, how do we rise the, how do we raise the tide? Yeah, and I know one effort out there. Oh, the name is escaping me, and I'm trying to find it. Um, Borison, Borison um, at oh, shoot. There's an issue. Or yeah, Borison. Um, we'll go with Borison. That's a at cool Dazzle. Name. Yeah, that's that's the handle. His handle's Borison at Dazzle. Um, I know we talked about building a a composer UI um, with Electron to help ease the adoption. So this way, it'd be like you know, like Adam. For those who aren't familiar with Electron, um, if you use the Adam text editor, that's built on Electron. It's a it's a Node.js tool to build desktop applications that are cross-platform. And one thing that we want to look into is building a Composer UI. So you could open a project and click Composer install, Composer update, you know, browser dependencies to help, um, you know, make that bridge of how there's stash, not stash, there's source tree, the Git UI, you know, how there's Git UIs for people that don't know how to do Git on the command line. Um, And another problem will be also the the platforms as a service you know pantheon supports only artifact builds so that means you well i mean i guess that's actually not that bad because you can commit your vendor repository um but it comes down to you know certain there's only one platform as a service that supports building with a composer.json once you push up your 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 um, repository um so there's definitely a lot of work and a lot of education and a lot of documentation that needs to be done um, the hard part is that all the people that need to document it are chasing their tails on other issues such as building Drupal Commerce or I know that Borson is like a facets maintainer um, and anybody and actually that um, Chris McCafferty I've seen his name like in a lot of the composer issues um, and Drupal.org needs to get its packagist facade um, committed um so there's packages.org, which is what Composer reads and knows how to get packages from. Um, there was a community effort to build a remote um, facade that read Drupal.org and allowed you to require Drupal modules. Well, Drupal.org now has an endpoint. It's Drupal.org slash packages slash eight or something of that sort. It allows you to do Composer require, you know, Drupal slash commerce and downloads all of its contrib and other third-party libraries. Um, so I think once that gets committed and is moved out of beta, hopefully we see that with 8.3. Um, 
it's going to help streamlining this because right now if you download core you can't use composer to update core you can't use composer to get contributed modules out of the box and that's some things that my blog post highlights it shows how to um, use a composer template to install drupal which is one thing that we really push with commerce um, or if you downloaded the tarball how to update the composer.json to um, be able to update core and also just shows like why this is so much simpler you know, running one command versus downloading a bunch of tarballs or I know in D7, I first did that. I would download a module. I'd go to enable like, oh, shucks, I'm missing two dependencies. Better go back to Drupal.org. Um, so it, it tries to make that argument that, yes, it's a difference in your workflow, but taking that lead time to learn it and just have a command line tool is going to streamline your processes, save you more money, which means you're going to be more efficient which means you can get more work done and make more money. But I, so I think that's, you, that's my look at I it. I think what you said earlier is, is you know, um, spot on in the fact that it's still really early. You know, things yeah. are still changing. Things are still maturing. There's no clear – it's kind of like with the way I look at the configuration system in D8. There's no clear best practice yet. Yeah. You know, you know, in Drupal oh. 7, we had the advantage of, of years. And, you know, Drush Make yep. kind of just emerged as, okay, this is the way to do this thing and this is the best practice. And, you know, if you want to do configuration management in Drupal 7, you use the features module. And that's, it kind yep. of emerged as a best practice. And now everyone wants that. Want, we, we want to know what the best practice is for Drupal 8 now, but it hasn't matured. It hasn't not evolved yet. Yeah. So we're still in that process. I know. That's a that like that's a blog post that's in my backlog to do. I mean, with Obermeyer, we started with before the first like we we agreed to do Drupal eight a year ago. Like before I started writing the book, even um, you know, and that's one thing that we had. It's like okay, we hit the ground. How are we going to work with multiple developers and config management and the state? Like you know, config is owned by the site and no longer the module. There's no more like well, if I update my exported view, it just updates. You know, there's there was extreme challenges, and it's just time will tell. I think it's just it, Drupal eight shipped with so much out of the box, and the release cycle has made it so much u- more usable and grew grew the adoption that we forget that there's this time that it's only been six eight months, well, almost a year. Actually, no, almost a year now since D eight was released. I mean, a lot has happened, but we still have to wait for the dust to settle on best practices. And I think it's just been since so so long since D7 was released. Shoot, I didn't start Drupal till three years ago, so I have no idea what that looked like. But I can only assume it took about two years for the community to finally like say, like, oh, here's something that works really, really well. And 60% of us will agree on it. The rest will say, nope, and do it our other way. Yeah, but I think 60% is more than a reasonable tipping point for oh, yeah. it to become a best practice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I'm agreeing. Like, once we can hit 60% of people agreeing on something, then we'll have good documentation <laughs> and it will help, you know, people onboarding. And that's one thing. Like, for the people that might be listening and say, like, well, I don't like Compose. Like, try it. Like, write an issue about the difficulties you had so we can write better documentation. I mean, the people writing documentation are the people that know how to do it. But we need insight. We need feedback. And this isn't just about Composer. This is any project you use. That If you want to contribute to open source, feedback is the biggest thing you can give about how documentation went, how a user interface went. And this is one of those key topics. Using Composer, how can we document it? 
is it's not just a Drupal problem. Any any aspiring PHP developer is now going to need to use Composer, so we can maybe improve the Composer docs. You know, it's not just us anymore. Well said, very well said. Um, let's move on because I-, I could continue okay, this yeah. conversation for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's move on to picks of the week. Anna, you have an obvious one that I can't believe we <laughs> it wasn't a subject of the last podcast or this. Right. Like I was going through the notes of the podcast that you guys recorded yesterday. I'm like, was this was this here? No, not yet. Okay. We didn't even realize um, it was a thing. So go ahead. <laughs> it wasn't a thing. So <laughs> Drupal 2.0 or 8.2.0. Yeah, there we go. Uh, was released uh, recently. I don't know the exact date. Um, comes with a bunch of fun new experimental modules to try, like a, uh, uh, place block dynamic editor that kind of evokes some WordPressy feels. Uh, the work, but the workflow initiative has an experimental module in there. Um, some other good improvements for date fields and other, other fun things. Um, there's a link in the show notes to a blog post that, uh, Gabor had written up about all of the changes. It's out on Pantheon right now. I think they actually released 8.2.1 yesterday. I want to say I saw that come through, at least, at least on the Pantheon site that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, new yeah, hotness I'm- available now. Yeah, we did. I think a couple, two or three podcasts ago, we had Ted as the guest, you know, co-host Ted as the guest because he did a lot of work on um, some of the outside-in stuff of, of Drupal eight point two. Yeah, um, he was actually recently, and I'm I'm saying this as if it we're I'm in the future. He was recently on the Lullabot podcast talking about um, eight point two and some of the uh, outside-in stuff as well. Um, and I wasn't super happy about that, so I crashed their podcast. So, oh, yeah, so you can check that out. That was kind of fun. Um, yeah, so eight point two is the thing. Um, any idea? And Matt, maybe you have an idea. And I think I feel like I've heard some stuff, but nothing comes to mind. What's on deck for eight point three? Is there talk about? You know, I think I, you mentioned some REST stuff. From what I see in the issue queue, it's all REST and workflow initiative. Right, right. Workflow. Um, there's a there's a lot of stuff happening with that. And I want to bring up to the PHP unit initiative. Um, the, I, I think oh, in right. 8.3, we'll see a lot of movement to get away from simple test. Yes. We're trying um, to kill simple to PHP test unit. Yeah. yeah. Which is a great thing because this PHP unit is so much faster. Yeah. So is that the big advantage? I mean, obviously having just one testing Better system code. as opposed to two is, is a good thing. Yeah. You just mentioned so, faster, so are, are, faster um, mocking. So there's kernel tests. You don't have to do a fully bootstrap Drupal install for every test. Okay. Commerce um, over the summer we had a, a sponsorship, and I converted us away from simple tests and purely to um, what do you call it? PHP unit. Yeah. Um, so there's functional JavaScript. So we have JavaScript testing our checkout flow and wow. our cart block that uses JavaScript with Phantom JS, which you know Core provides the ability to do this. Like we didn't make it, Core did. Um, a few very great uh, people in core but so we have unit testing so we are literally using php unit to unit test things which allows us to mock classes so we're mocking the container and testing some resolver logic like we don't need a fully bootstrap drupal install to test these um, components and then there's kernel tests so we have full coverage of our entities and that a kernel test means i'm going to install a minimal drupal instance and test some of the components like the entity system Mm -hmm. Um, so we're able to run a lot of tests in a much shorter time 
because we don't need like a browser component for about 50% of our tests. Right. Oh, that's great. Good deal. And so I don't think it'll be killed by 8.3, but the no, goal it, is it, to... They won't remove simple tests till D9. Like simple tests will live on until Drupal 9, but the idea is just to start moving all the tests yeah. away. Um, so we have a unified... So we can tell people, like, stop writing simple tests, yeah. just write PHP unit. Yeah, the, yeah, and the idea, I guess, would be so that when it goes away, it's basically a non-event. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that way, when it's time to work on Drupal 9, it's just like, boom, delete. And also best practice, so contrib developers know to write PHP unit tests instead of simple tests. So, Matt, are you scheduled to be at any Drupal events between now and the end of the year? <sighs> no, I am not. Um, I really wanted to try to find some to go to. But after Dublin and the beta launch, um, I kind of just it's like I'm gonna relax. Yeah, you're you know? in you're in the Mid Atlantic, right? No, I'm I'm um, actually in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So I'm like oh. an hour and a half north of Anna, actually. Okay. Um, I can actually take the train down in Chicago. You can actually easily. take the train to my office if you really yeah. wanted to. It's the same train line that runs all the way up to Kenosha. Yeah. They're like neighbors. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, it counts for neighbors in the Midwest, sure. There you go. Anna, how about you? Is your travel done for the year as well? Um, yeah, it was kind of a light year for me. I am looking forward to going to the uh, Northern Lights Camp, which is in Reykjavik at the end of February. Where is that? Uh, Reykjavik is oh, how Reykjavik. Uh, we oh, pronounce Iceland. it. But, okay. no, no. but I, think, I think it's pronounced Reykjavik or Reykjavik. Okay. I would just say it's, Iceland. It's, yeah, but it sounds cooler to say Reykjavik, so. <laughs> oh, outstanding. That's fun. Um, well, I will mention, um, uh, other than Bad Camp, which was awesome, it was fantastic. I know that Drupal Camp Chattanooga is coming up um, in November at some point, so I do want to give a shout out to those folks. Um, the biggest, a big event on my horizon, though, is Florida Drupal Camp. I am one of the organizers of Florida Drupal Camp. It is the biggest Florida, or the biggest camp or Drupal event, I should say, in the Southeast United States. It takes place in February, so the timing is uh, on purpose. It's you know nice and mild weather in February as com- in Florida compared with the rest of the year. It takes place in Central Florida, right in Orlando, near all the theme parks. Uh, it's a three-day event. February 17th, 18th, and 19th. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, on Friday, we'll be doing trainings and, a, and a, some type of social event. Saturday is the big day with all the sessions and the big party in the evening. And Sunday will also, this year's change, this year we're having more sessions on Sunday as well. So we're kind of um, spacing things out a little bit more. We're trying to learn from other camps. We're going to have more time um, between each session for people to network and, and interact. Um, yeah, so definitely check it out if you want to get out of the cold winter, if you happen to be in a cold winter, which uh, both of you, I think, definitely qualify. Um, come down to Florida yeah. in February. <laughs> We've, we, have, uh, we don't do a single keynote speaker. We do featured speakers, and we kind of dribble that information out over the course of a couple months. But we have announced two of our featured speakers. Uh, number one is Helena uh, Zubkow from Lullabot. She is a... Um, accessibility expert, so she will be giving a double-length, hands-on presentation about excel, you know, making your site more accessible. And our second featured speaker, which I'm super excited about, um, 
is uh, Megan Sanicky from. She's the executive director of the Drupal Association. Um, she's actually going to come to Florida and present on something. We're not sure what exactly yet. We're working with her on figuring out what would be you know of most interest to our attendees. But we're super excited that she's going to make the trip. And um, if you um, uh, go to fldrupal.camp, you can sign up for our newsletter, and you will be among the first to know who featured speaker number three is. So definitely check that out. Matt, where can people find you online? They can find me at, well, my Drupal.org handle is mglaman, M-G-L-A-M-A-N. And my Twitter handle is nmdmatt. Um, unfortunately, somebody else has my Drupal handle on Twitter. <laughs> are you fairly active on then, Twitter? You are fairly active. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm on there a lot. Um, it's usually findings about, um, you know, oh, look at this great bug that I found that blocked <laughs> me. Or sharing information about, you know, Drupal Commerce. Um, any, any like, D8 finds um, that I find to be useful and all that. All right, Super. Anna, how about you? I am a Colada on the interwebs and also Pokemon Go. Fantastic. We should talk about Pokemon Go. We should. I have... Uh, I don't know. What team are you? Uh, I believe I'm red. Is that... Can we talk oh, about this? Oh, yeah. Then? No, then we're not talking. We're not we, friends? We should probably not talk then. We, can't we are even... totally not friends. What the hell? <laughs> I'm red because my daughter told me I had to be red. Oh, so, so blame her. I see. Yeah, I'm on I her see. Team. Let me tell you something. So um, let's talk Pokemon Go for a second. Number one, <laughs> I caught a Pokemon in Ireland that apparently you can only catch in Europe. Yeah, you got the Mr. Mime? I got the Mr. Mime. Exactly. Nice. So, that was so when trading one. opens up, I'm getting in touch with you so, so you can right. trade it to me so I can have one too. Well, it depends, you know, what you're going to give me, and we'll we'll see how, you know. It's a touch trade. Like you trade it to me, and then I trade it back. Mm. But I, I have I, I have lots of guys that I can trade you. Do you need a Porygon? I can trade you a Porygon. I don't even know what that is. I think I need that. Okay then. <laughs> so let me tell you something. This week, so I have an office which is kind of right. Um, it's an old inside an old historic house, um, and it overlooks a park. It's really, really just a cool little location and right outside my office there's a there's a pokestop where you can you know get stuff and but because it's in a public park there's people constantly in the park putting you know lures on the pokestop so i can sit in my office most days and just play pokemon all day which is you know fun but not really great for you know my income level um i I will say for some reason the past four or five days it has been Pikachu madness outside my office. Awesome. I think I've probably captured about 18 of them in the past three days. Yeah, that's our downtown right now. And I, I, I got to the point where I'm like, okay, Pikachu, go home. Like, Well, I'm wait sick. until you get the Pikachu gold medal and then tell Pikachu to go home. Because otherwise that's going to yeah. be impossible. I think I've caught like 50 so far. Our downtown has like three clusters of Pokestops that have five or six next to each other. And it's the walking dead horde. Um, now, now that it's cold, it's gone away, but there'll be like 70 people at these three different groups. And then there's one day, like I played it. I wasn't diehard. I think it was like 
my wife had like like heard about it. And we're walking down there doing our nightly walk, and also we're like Snorlax, and everybody's like they all run. Stampede, it was a yep. stampede. Yep. <laughs> I have I've so, yet to see that. That would be pretty phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. fun! It's fun. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. I got my daughter got me into it, and then you know immediately I have to beat her because well, not physically, but you know I have to be better at Pokemon Go than her and collect more Pokemon. Um. And now, apparently, because I'm, I have more Pokemon, it's not cool anymore. So she's not even playing anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, it's still cool. Don't you tell me it's not Well, cool. trading should be coming soon. So All right. um, they're already testing it in Australia. I, I met somebody from Australia who was like, why can't I trade up here? Oh, you are Are they different core. games? Wow. What level are you guys? I Half, have no idea. I'm halfway through 29. Oh, I'm wow. thinking like 16. Anna, you might have a problem. <laughs> I am not denying this. It's the first Pokemon game I've ever played, so I'm, oh I'm having goodness. a lot of fun with it. All right, I guess so. So are you? Uh, well, I don't even. This is probably a whole other podcast, I think, and you know, probably not the Drupal Easy podcast. But right, I don't know how it relates to Drupal, but yes. well, it'd be cool if there was like a little Drupal monster. There you go. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be cool? But but he's not a Pokemon. Well, you know. There's there's an established canon to these things. Now what we need to do is you know how the Drupal heroes are superheroes but the Drupal Con. Yes. We yes. can get Drupalmons. Drupalmons. To mm. have Drupal Cons of various Pokemon. <laughs> so we just need an artist for that. If Ooh. someone comes up with, with really good designs, I'll totally print some stickers. You have really put a lot of thought into this. All right. So yeah, but I can design anything. Yeah, we, we need to hang out. We need to get to a Drupal event at the same time and, you know, ignore the Drupal event and just go hunting Pokemon. Uh, that's what the that's what I did in Ann Arbor. <laughs> well, we didn't ignore the event, but that's what we that's what we did at night. There were there were four other people on Team Instinct and uh You want to call them the out on time. the podcast or no? Probably not. <laughs> oh, totally. It was uh, Emily, uh, Diane Nova, uh, J.A. Perry, Jacob Perry, and uh, I don't remember his name, but he works at Yale. All right. Good enough. So, All right. Let's, let's, wrap, this, <laughs> let's wrap this up. <laughs> um, Matt, real quick, five questions. Name something interesting you do outside of Drupal other than play Pokemon. God. If this was a few years ago, I'd have an answer, but I feel like Drupal has consumed my life. Um, photography. I like to I like to attempt to be a picture taker. Canon or Nikon? Nikon. Nikon. Okay. I think that's what my son. My son is really into photography. He's got a Nikon right now, but he's thinking about jumping ship. Mm. And I'm like, that's not expensive for me. If you want to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I prefer Nikon. I have a Canon because there is a deal on a Rebel, but I prefer Nikon. I mean. It's a hobby. I'm not going to spend right. that. I don't want to spend too much. Oh, maybe you know. Maybe he might have a rebel as well. Maybe he has a cannon and he's, he wants to go to Nikon. But anyway, um, name the last piece of software that you installed. Doesn't matter where. Oh, could be on your phone. Uh, uh, IA Writer. That's it. I was looking for a new Markdown editor. Oh, IA Writer. All right. Is that just letter I, letter A Writer? Yeah, like lowercase i, upper a. Oh, all right. Technically, I'll find that. It's I, I put off buying it because on the on the app on for like Mac desktop and all that, it's ten bucks. For Android, it was free. 
but I like it. Yeah, it's available. It's at AI.net. So, and I'll put that link in the show notes. What is a goal that you have not accomplished yet, but is terrifying? Uh, <laughs> oh, we want to buy in a moving. We, we have a house right now, but we want to buy a bigger house so I don't have to work in our basement. Yeah, that's always a big, uh, yeah, that's always a big, a big thing. Because every time we get like closer to it, something breaks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what being a homeowner is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, name the last exotic animal that you hand fed. That I hand fed? I don't even know if I've hand fed an exotic animal. I was at, in Atlanta and I think I fed a seal. I think that's going to be as close as I get. All right, that's, that's really cool. Good. Yeah, you don't get to you know feed seals every day. That's all right. Yeah. Like feed them a fish or something like that. Yeah, like fed them a fish and got all scoobered up. Exactly, perfect. And uh, I think I know this story just because I've, I've I've talked to you and I've talked. You to were you. there. Yeah. So, what's your tipping point Drupal moment? So, like I said, I've been doing Drupal for about three years. It, maybe it'd be four in March. Um, but my tipping point was actually Drupal Camp Atlanta three years ago, like almost three years ago now. So, yeah, I'd have been doing Drupal for like about three and a half then. Um, Drupal Camp Atlanta, um, I got flown down by Andy Giles, and got, which was already crazy enough that that happened. It was tw- 2013, Drupal Camp. Um, went there. It was my first Drupal event. I had maybe been using Drupal for a short bit and got blown away by the community. I remember I got there early. I was at like a, a, a bar getting some food, ended up talking to some media current people. And they're like talking about weather.com. I'm like, who are these people? And they're like, teaching me this architecture. Um, and then was with Andy and got introduced to a bunch of other community members. And then Mike actually got to meet you over dinner. And you're like, you, here's this flag. Go plant it and start a user group. So I did. I came back and actually started a user group for about a year until I went back to school. Wait, and there's a flag? Yeah, you don't have a flag? He, 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 it was an imaginal flag. <laughs> um, but at that camp, I also got to talk to Ryan about the the poor commerce reports module um, because we had a client that was complaining about it and he told me like we'll become maintainer of it so I became maintainer and I overhauled it and so it's pretty much because of that trip um, I am where I am today and love the Drupal community because it's what made me go down this path and has opened up such career opportunities. So you knew did you meet Andy through the community or did you know Andy before? So no, I, I had only met Andy for like a few months, which is what I thought was crazy. Um, we had the the client needed to use, um, they wanted to use UPS and the postal service for shipping. And there was like some bugs. So I was like, I submitted patches. I wrote like a few tutorials on how to get set up because I had no idea how to do that. So I, I shared it and then did a little side work for him. And he was like, hey, you ever been to a Drupal camp? And... You know, he flew me down there, and then where I was working paid for the hotel, like for one of the hotels. So, yeah, it was um, definitely a crazy experience. I kind of looked at myself like, this is insane. There's no way this is actually <laughs> happening. And now I look back, and it's just like, wow, if that didn't happen, um, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am right now. Exactly. Yeah, because I, I don't know if – well, here, let me ask you the question. I know the answer, but I don't know if you want to say it. What were you doing before Drupal? 
Um, so before Drupal, I actually used to deliver beer. Yeah. Um, uh, web, web well, you were in Wisconsin. So I used to drive a truck. I delivered beer for two and a half years. Um, then luckily, a local marketing firm was hiring because I didn't want to work in downtown Chicago because you know our son was two years old at that time, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not going to spend 12 hours of my day, eight hour working, four hour driving, and never see my family. Right. Um, so there was a local marketing firm. They had a web development job. I said, what the hell? I took the risk and, and went to it. And then they had a site that needed e-commerce. Did a Google search, found Commerce Kickstart, built a Drupal Commerce site, and haven't looked back. There you go. Yeah, I mean, stories like yours I love. You know, people who come from just crazy backgrounds. Not crazy, but backgrounds you wouldn't think would eventually lead yeah. to Drupal. You know, I have a couple students yeah. that have graduated from my class. One of them was a gym teacher who is now a full-time Drupal developer for, I'll just say, a major university. And another one um, was a hospice nurse, which has to be you know one of the most difficult jobs ever, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and she recently got hired full-time for a, um, a Drupal development job. So I just it's crazy that people, they have these backgrounds that are just so just off off of the Drupal path and somehow find mm-hmm. the way to Drupal. It's amazing. So, all right, let's wrap this up. Um, real quick, uh, last uh, a sponsor, webenable.com and devpanel.com. If you are looking for simple Drupal developer hosting um, or production hosting for that matter, check out webenable.com. They have Git integration. They have a, a dashboard where you can add team members. Um, you can SSH directly to their server and do all the cool Drush stuff that you need to do. Um, check them out at uh, webenable.com and devpanel.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can always go to drupaleasy.com slash podcast and listen to other episodes or just search for Drupal Easy on any of the various podcast catchers out there. Um, upcoming podcasts, um, nothing planned right now. It looks like I have to get busy again. So I will do that. And I will say, I thought we had one more coming up or did I miss it already? Oh no, you're right. We do. We do. I don't know that. Well, I don't know if I should uh, say it yet. Cause I don't know. I got to check, see if that time and date is actually, if it's confirmed. Okay. So yes. we'll, we'll hold off on announcing it, but it is an awesome guest and the podcast is going to be so much fun. It's going to be the best. Yes. It's going to be the best. And that's really the only reason, that's the only way we can get Kelly back on the podcast is with this particular guest. So, <laughs> so that's a big hint on, on at least what area exactly. this guest works in. <laughs> exactly. Um, and um, we'll probably have to bleep a few words. So there you go. Now I pretty much. Oh, well, that's a way. huge hint. It is. But yeah. we'll stop there. Anna, great to get you back on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks much. I'm glad I didn't miss it. Uh, we'll, uh, you can join uh, Anna and I on um, Pokemon Easy uh, podcast, which I sure will, I'm sure will be out very soon. We should totally set Not that up. Great talking to you. At least me for uh... <laughs> that's our. Yes, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, that's our April Fool's podcast right there. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> fantastic. We got to remember that one. Matt, good luck with the book. Um, if you do do an update or anything, let us know and we'll put the word out on the podcast for sure. Um, th- do. Thanks for all of your diligent work on commerce. Um, you know, it's it's one of the jewels of the of the Drupal contrib uh, space. So, you know, something to be very proud of. 
And that's it. So we'll wrap things up now, and we will see everybody on the next Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya!